So many years ago at the beginning of my ministry in the mid and late 1990s, I was involved in a lectionary group. This was a group of pastors that would gather weekly and discuss the scriptures that we would be preaching on. Uh, we'd share ideas, we'd share stories, we'd share what this passage meant to us. Well, there was a pastor who was a regular attender of our weekly study who shared a story that I still remember even to this day. And this pastor shared that she worked for a while before she went to seminary at a pickle company. Now, they would bring in fresh cucumbers and then put them in these amazingly huge brine vats. And these brine vats had a very particular and strong smell. And it was not a pleasant smell. If you worked at the pickle plant long enough, you'd get so used to the smell that you really just stopped noticing it altogether. But other people who didn't work there, those who came for a visit or those who came to drop off a package or the mail, they would always politely say, what is that smell? And what they were asking as politely as they could, what is that stink that is just pervasive all around this area? Now, my pastor friend went on to say that her next job, ironically, was still in the food processing business, but in this time, she was a in a company that baked cookies. And people will constantly come in and say, you know, I just love to walk by this place. It always smells so amazing. You know, when I walk past, I'm actually transported in time back to some really beloved memories of spending time in my grandmother's kitchen and uh, getting and as she prepared and made her great sugar cookies. You know, smell is such a particularly strong sense, whether we believe it or not. Do you know that the neurons that trigger smell, they go directly to our brain. You know, smell is not like uh, taste or it's not like vision or hearing, which they first go to a relay center in the middle of our brains and then get sent out from there. But smell goes directly to our brain. And smell is so powerful that if it is a repugnant smell, it can actually induce in us or trigger a fight or flight response. It's almost how primitive it can be and how visceral our exchange can be. Or you have the other part. You have a smell that is wonderful and beautiful and pleasant. And what can happen? Our mouths can start watering. Not only that, smell can even transport us in time. When we smell a perfume, we can remember and think of somebody. I'm sure you've had this happen when the olfactory sense just kind of takes over and takes us from one place to another place. And I think it's safe to say on this day, most of us don't care 
for bad smells. And most of us would likely agree that when something is dead, it stinks. You know, that actually brings us to our scripture reading for this day. We see in verse 39, Jesus says, roll the stone away. And Martha, the story tells us, protests. And she says, Lord, he's been in there for four days. The smell will be horrible. And then Jesus replies to Martha, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? You know, my friends, all of us have tombs in our lives. A tomb is a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. And we have stuff in those caves that we've buried, that we've hidden, that we've stuck there. We put them in the cave and we rolled the stone in front of it. We all have that. And every now and again, Jesus comes along speaking to us through the Holy Spirit and Jesus says, come on. Roll the stone away. And what do we do? We respond just like Mary. But Lord, if we roll that storm away, it is going to stink. Please don't roll that stone away. Please don't open the tomb. And what happens is this. When we say those things, when we have that kind of an attitude, we miss God's glory. Our scripture today reminds us that this is a condition of seeing God's glory. We have to believe. Too often we want to see God's glory so that we can believe. And you know, later on in John's gospel in chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus says, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You know, there's a strong correlation between Jesus' resurrection and the fact that Jesus is about to call Lazarus from the tomb. One of the things that happens to us when we have dead stuff buried in our tombs is we miss God's glory. And the reason we miss God's glory it's just simple. We don't believe. Christian comedian, author, and motivational speaker Ken Davis tells this story in his book, How to Speak to Youth. And he says this, in college, I was asked to prepare a lesson to my speech class. We were to be graded on our creativity and the ability to drive home a point in a memorable way. The title of my talk was The Law of the Pendulum. And I spent 20 minutes carefully teaching the physical principles that govern a swinging pendulum. The Law of the Pendulum is just this. A pendulum can never return to a point higher than the point from which it was released. 
Because of friction and gravity, when the pendulum returns, it will fall short and its original, of its original release point. Each time it swings, it makes less and less of an arc until finally it is at rest. And this point is called the point, the state of equilibrium, where all forces acting on the pendulum are the same. So I went to the front of a class. I attached a three-foot string to the top of the chalkboard, and I had a child's toy. It was a top hanging at the end of the, of the string. And then at the chalkboard, I took that child's toy, the top, and I put it here, and I marked where I was going to release it from. And then I released it. And it would swing to the other side. And as it would swing back, it would never get, of course, to its original point. And I'd mark it there. And it'd swing back. And it would be a little less. And so they could physically see how the pendulum decreased each time. He says that when I finished with my demonstration, I then asked how many people in the room believed in the law that the pendulum was true. All of my classmates and my professor raised their hands. The professor stood up and started to walk to the front of the room thinking that the demonstration was over when in fact it had just begun. Little did they know that hanging from the steel ceiling beams in the middle of the room was a large, crude, but very functional pendulum. 250 pounds of metal weights tied to four strands of 500-pound test parachute cord. I invited the instructor to climb onto the table and to sit in the chair with the back of his head next to the cinder block wall. And then I brought the 250 pounds of metal right up to his nose and I restated the law of the pendulum. I asked him if he believed. He very weakly said, ah, yeah. <laughs> I tell them, you know, if the law of physics is true, you really are in no danger at all. I release the pendulum. 250 pounds of metal began to fly to the other side of the room. And when 250 pounds of metal go from one side of the room to the other side of the room, there is a swooshing sound that you can hear. And then it paused, and for just a brief instance, there was silence. And then the 250 pounds of metal came bearing down back towards that professor's face with the swooshing sound coming. 
At that moment, I had never seen a man move so fast. <laughs> he literally dove from the table. And then I asked the class, does he really believe in the law of the pendulum? The students then all answered together, nope, doesn't look like it. You know, my friends, when it comes right down to it, we may say that we believe, we may say that we trust, we may want to believe and we may want to trust, but let's be real. Sometimes we don't. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. We miss God's glory because so many times we remain in our unbelief. And when we have dead, stinky stuff in our lives, what do we do with that? Do you know we actually blame other people for that dead, stinky stuff? It's true. I mean, it comes to us right from God's Word. Look at verse 21 and 32. Both Mary and Martha do the same thing. And what do they do? They blame Jesus for the dead, stinky stuff in their life. Lord, if you had only been here, this wouldn't have happened. Lord, you could have prevented this. You know, in some ways, what Mary and Martha are saying is incredibly human. And in some ways, it resonates with us. Isn't it just easier if we can just have a God who will do exactly what we tell God to do? My friends, I really think the biggest problem that every one of us in this room, that every human being has, is we like to be in so much control of every aspect of our life, we don't leave room for a living God. We want to control God. God, you got to come on this day and on this time and in this place. And you know what? If you'll do that, then I'll believe, then I'll trust you, then my faith will grow. Do you really know what you have when you reduce God to meeting you on your terms and your way and ways that you want? You don't have a God, you have an idol. You're worshiping nothing. Because you are leaving no room for an all-powerful God who likes to interact with God's creation to come in and say, listen, you're doing this wrong. But our hubris, our pride will always keep us stuck in the doldrums, keep us stuck in that, in that tomb. Because we're not serving the living God. We're serving the God that we feel comfortable with. And we even go to Scripture and go, look, here's the God I feel comfortable with. Man, isn't this a great God? Aren't I so smart? Just look at me. And again, all we've done is we've set up a false narrative with an idol. And what we really need to do is say, okay, God, I'm human. And sinful. 
Maybe I'm not doing this the right way. Maybe in this life there needs to be less of me and more of you. Maybe in this life I really do need to work on my faith and my belief and my trust and say, okay, when you act, I'll listen to you. And I appreciate the fact that you want to listen to me. You love me so much. You're always willing to listen. But I need to get over the fact that it's not just listening that I want you to do. It's control that I want. We don't get to have control over God. And praise be to God for it. You know, we can't blame God for the stuff that we've put in our tombs. But God can't help. You know, in Jesus and Mary and Martha's day, let's be honest, you didn't remove stones from tombs. At least not until the body had deteriorated to just bones. And then you could take the bones and put them in an ossuary in the, in, or in like a family vault. But it was really bad form and bad practice to take a stone away from a tomb. So when Jesus asks that to be rolled away, he's asking for something that goes against the norm, something that goes against the culture. But ultimately, Jesus is asking this, do you trust me? Do you believe in me? My friends, when we have dead stuff in our tombs, we have to protect that dead stuff. I mean, we don't want to show up and just stink up the place, right? And what do we do? Well, we abandon obedience for fear of things of our lives is coming out and getting really smelly. I mean, Martha protested. She wasn't ready to give Jesus immediate obedience. And Jesus said, Martha, didn't I tell you? You don't have to hope in the resurrection at the end. No, no. You're missing a really strong point here. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I mean, let's be honest. Jesus at a funeral, he was horrible because the dead don't stay dead. They get up. They start walking again because wherever Jesus goes, there's resurrection. There's life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. And here's the good news. The living stuff, the living stuff smells sweet. Why? Because Jesus has authority over the stuff that we put in our tombs. Jesus has the authority over the stinky stuff if we'll just let Jesus in and we'll listen when he says, move the stone. My life, your life, everybody's life, Jesus has authority over the stinky stuff. I mean, look at verse 43. Jesus shouts, Lazarus, come out. I think this is interesting. You know, I always think, 
I wish sometimes the writers in the Bible would just give us a little more detail. Because here's what I want to know. I really want to know how many people standing there really believed that Lazarus was going to come out of that tomb. I mean, I'm like 100% believe. Maybe some of them kind of hoped and thought, well, let's see what happens. But, and then this had to be really funny because I'm sure it had to be kind of a chuckle because he's all bound up. His legs are bound together. I mean, if he came out of the tomb, at best he's hopping or he's shuffling to get out. I mean, it may have taken a while, but it, it, it kind of has a funny image, right? Jesus exposes the dead stuff for a reason. You know what that reason is? Jesus exposes the dead stuff because Jesus wants to give us freedom. So verse 44 says, unbind him and let him go. You have to unwrap dead things that are suffocating you if you want to be free. Unbind him. Take off the dead stuff. Well, once you take off the dead stuff, then what? Let him go. Freedom. You didn't know this, but Jesus, right? Jesus learned how to fish. Jesus was a fisherman. And he, at his very best, practiced catch and release. So here's the question. Does the dead and stinky stuff in your life need to hear Jesus' words come out? Do you need to hear, I am the resurrection and I am the life? You know, Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. When his tomb was open, there was the smell of death. It was Martha said as it would be, it was stinky. But contrast this, because when Jesus' tomb was found open, nobody had to roll Jesus' stone away. It was already rolled away, wasn't it? On that first Easter, what do you think that smell out of that tomb was? You think it was stinky? You think it was death? Or you think it was sweet and beautiful and it was the smell of life? Another interesting thing is Jesus didn't have to be unbound, you know. When they went into the tomb, it wasn't cut. It had been unwrapped and then laid there. All that was in that tomb was the sweet aroma of life. So what about you this morning? Do you have dead stuff in your life? Listen, when Jesus says, roll away the stone, don't protest, don't be afraid, just believe and trust. And that smell that you're going to smell, well, that's the sweet aroma of the Holy Spirit unbinding you and setting you free. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.